Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com save. BetterHelp.com slash save. Got it. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right, what's up, Raider Nation? It's your boy Mojo. I'm in. I'm, I'm in the dojo here with special guest Murph. You know him from Raiders Fan Radio. I know him from my text thread. I also know him as being my mentor when it comes to uh, YouTube and all things podcast. Murph, what's up, brother? What's up, Mojo? Man, glad to be here on the pod show. Man, this is awesome. What you got going on, man? I'm 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 looking forward to this. We're gonna have a good time. You damn right we will, and I'll tell you, man, I, we wouldn't even be having this conversation on on camera if it wasn't for you, man. If my kids wouldn't introduce me to you and your podcast, I would never even dream of doing something like this. So, thanks, thanks to you, my man. Well, I appreciate that. Very kind words, man, and and uh, you know that's that's what our show is all about, right? Like celebrating fandom and promoting fandom and the way that it it manifests in different people, and whether that's you know, all the different creative outlets from art to music to, you know, super fans. And, and in this case, doing uh, YouTube videos and, and podcasting and, and dude, and I'm like, I mean, I hope proud is an okay word to use because what you've done with your show already has been awesome. And I'm like, like if, if we're any kind of influence over that on what you've done with it, like that just, you know what I mean? That, that just, that just warms our hearts. So we're just, we're just thankful to be, a, to be a part of it. And if we were a catalyst for you, man, then that's, that's, that's really cool, dude. Cause we're, uh, we're, we're, uh, we like your show. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's one thing to have it on our network, but I just like your show. Like I don't listen to it anyway. You know what I mean? 
Oh, man, I appreciate that. But I, I will tell you that my show hasn't been very professional up to this point. I'm trying to get a little bit better every time. I think maybe you you might like it because even when a when a, when a mother has an ugly baby, she thinks it's cute, right? <laughs> no, man, it's legit, man. Like you know, your, your your passion for beer and your passion for fandom and the Raiders and all that, it it definitely comes across. And of course, and you know, and, and uh, you know, you're always really humble about it. But we just respect the hell out of you for what you do when you go to work every day. You know what I mean? Defending our our freedoms and our democracy, and and so that's a whole nother level of respect that we have for you. So no, absolutely, man. We we you got our endorsement always and forever on this thing. Well, I sure do appreciate it. You know what? You know what that calls for, man. I think we need to. We need to cheers. We need to tip a beer because of all that good love that we just gave each other right there. All right. What do you Deal. think? Real quick, shameless plug. Ready, Raider Nation. Check this out. I got at Raiders underscore beer on Twitter, and it's going to be the Raider Nation Beer Club. I'd appreciate it if you're watching this video. If you go in there, follow raider underscore beer on twitter and every time you take a picture drinking a beer or you want to do a video talking about your favorite beer or even if you just want to do a funny video talking about how shitty a beer is tag at <laughs> raider underscore beer and i'm gonna play it right here on mojo's pot show do it so we got two beers because we're in two different locations believe it or not we we weren't able to fly out there. We had some problems with our uh, with our uh, assistants today. Uh, the Learjet wasn't able to get me to Nashville today, um, so we're doing this via Skype. Murph. Yeah, I blame Swag Jeff for failing us on the logistics portion of the evening. I blame Paul Scanlon. Uh, you guys will all meet Paulie. He's uh, he's my right hand man. Uh, heterosexual life partner he's just been in japan for a couple years since i've been uh a little bit public about my fandom uh he'll be back he's stocked and born and bred and he is uh seriously screwing the pooch because he was supposed to charter the flight to nashville today beer beer i'm gonna open up your beer here on my end and you open up yours on your end so all right what are you drinking so I got it like a, a uniquely uh, kind of a personal connection here to this one here. So uh, I'm drinking the the Black Abbey uh, 44. So this is my my girlfriend Max. So Max, we love the name Max around here, right? Your son's name is Max. My girl's name is Max, and one of our favorite players is Max. So um, her favorite beer is the Black Abbey uh, 44, and that's a coffee infused porter, and it's infused with coffee beans from a place uh, just outside of Nashville called the Frothy Monkey, and that's actually where I met Max at. So it's pretty cool, uh, this uh, th- this beer. And, uh, man, so – but I, I feel like Mojo, like if I'm going to review the beer and I'm here on Mojo's pod show, I feel like I really need to do it justice. And if you'll allow me, I need to I need to kind of channel my, my inner Mojo here, if that's all right. Oh, man, go for it, man. For, uh, while you're doing that, I'd like to say that uh, the Frothy Monkey is actually a uh, – it's in the Kama Sutra as a uh, extremely strange sexual oh, position. Oh, no, don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just go with the beer and the coffee. Okay. <laughs> Making my glasses fog up, man. <laughs> All, right. All right, there we go. 
So I got I got my sunglasses on, Mojo style, because the future's so bright, we got to wear shades around here. So here we go. Yeah. So I got the Black Abbey, and so this is the ASMR Mojo style beer review. So here we go. We're gonna we're gonna get in this beer right here. All right. And then I've got my silver and black UK pint glass there. So look at the way that sets up there, Mojo. So that's uh, you you like it when it's got a big big top on it, like a big head on it, there, right? Yeah, yeah. That way you know it's pouring good. There we go. So there we go. So I'm up. Let's get this beer now. <sighs> you know, I got I got some toffee. I got uh, got some coffee. It's a, it's a substantial beer. It's dark. It's complex. It's good beer, man. Of course, you know I like beer. <laughs> <All right>. there's, <laughs> there's my most review of the Black Abbey 44. It really is good beer. I really do like it a lot. It's awesome. It's it's very. I don't know what you call it, Mojo. Is it malty? The dark beers. Are they malty? Is it? It's that. It's got that. That it's. It's kind of thick. It's got like, you know, it doesn't. It's not like a stout kind of thick, but it's just like it's full body. Like it's just a lot of flavor, man. A lot. It just hits you in a lot of. You know, it's good stuff, man. I so I, I would imagine it's got like a thicker mouth feel on it because it is dark like that. You said it's a porter. Yeah, it's a porter. It's called a coffee infused porter. Yeah, man, we got some good stuff like that out here in uh, Silver and Black UK. Shout out to Kevin Smith, man. Yeah, it's um, and it's cool. It's they, like they're they're uh, the whole imaging and everything around the 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 brewery is really cool. Like it's it's all about being created, not made. You know what I mean? All kind of it's it's pretty neat, pretty neat. So uh, uh, yeah. So props to them, the Black Abbey and the Forty Four. Man, it's one of my favorite beers, and it's a local beer, so it's pretty cool. Got to represent them local breweries, man. You know, I, the, breweries just the beer and people coming together and drinking beer is how we start. How how the ancients. The ancient Sumerians started culture. That's why we have that's that's why we have houses. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's because of beer. We, because of beer. Okay, so people used to trade off and do work and all all sorts of things. Uh, cut people's hair. Uh, you know, shoe their horses. You know, whatever, whatever it is you used to do back then. Go hunter, gather. You know, steal some women. Whatever it is you did back then. Uh, and they got trade. They, they they received beer for their work because you know beer, as we know, as cer certainly me and Mosh know, right? It puts on a couple uh, puts on a couple <laughs> calories. So a high calorie drink like that uh, it was it was highly coveted by the ancients. Man, I've done my research on this. Okay. Don't yeah, question. Yeah, don't, you're well versed on it, man. I love it. Dude, and I know Mosh isn't slinging back any Mick Ultras, man. I promise you that. Mick Ultras, man. Somebody was talking about Mick Ultra on, on uh, Twitter the other day, man. Now, I'm not judging anybody, but I had to, I had to say it. Like I had to call him out, dude. I might have lost a follower or something like that, but if you tell me your favorite beer is Mick Ultra, then you know we're just not compatible, man. We're not meant to be friends, bro. It's like saying my my favorite drink is water. It's <laughs> kind of the same thing. Right? Same thing. I'm doing a triple, dude. What do you got, Mojo? I got a Belgian style, man. You know, uh, have you ever heard of Fat Tire? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would just re always remember the packaging with the bicycle on it. With the bicycle on it. You nailed it. So check this out. So this triple is a uh, Belgian style ale, and it's from the New Belgian Brewing Company. And they're, they're the ones that brought us Fat Tire, one of my old go-tos back in the day. And I just think I, I kind of grew out of it. My palate kind of 
grew out of it. I still, you know, if I go to a to a game or something like that and they got it on tap, I'd rather have that than, you know, a Budweiser or something like that. But um, not my thing anymore. But anyway, um, I'm going to try this Belgian-style L, the triple, from New Belgian Brewing. So New Belgian Brewing Company is owned by uh, Kim Jordan and Jeff Labesh. They were a uh, young couple back in the late 80s that went on a trip together to Belgium and they rode bikes, right? So that's why, yeah, that's why the fat tire has the bike on the front. They they did a biking trip around Belgium and they sampled some of the beer over there and they fell in love with the yeast forward, which is very different than American beer. Uh, we're typically hot forward people, right? The Belgians are typically yeast-forward ales, and that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to bring that back to the States, and they're from Colorado, and they did that. They went to Fort Collins, Colorado, and they opened their brewery uh, back in 1988, something like that. And in 91 is when they dropped Fat Tire, and, and that's when they took off, and they became a pretty lucrative brewery out there in Colorado. They're 100% employee-owned, which means they have about 450 employees, and they uh, sold 59% of their company, something something around those numbers, to all their employees. I think that's really cool, and I think that's keeping it real. Their credo is social, environmental, and cultural change, and you can tell by the packaging. What's weird is, uh, well, not weird, but what's unique is this glass bottle is like super super thin man it's so light like it, this is lighter than a than a budweiser dude like it's just wow but, yeah and then you can tell that the the it's all recycled uh labeling and stuff like that their company has runs on all like self-sustaining energy sources and yada 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 and all that good stuff man so they kept it real you know that's what they're passionate about and they uh they kept it real just like uh just like me and Murph keep it real about the Raiders, man. We might go 0 and 16 and we're still going to be repping our silver and black, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All day, every day. So you got to give them respect. Not much head on this thing. Probably more head in a in a 30-year-old marriage than you're going to have in this, this pint glass right here. You know I had to drop that. <laughs> yeah, you did. That came off the cuff, man, originally. That was a good. One. That, was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good, man. As I expected, man, it's kind of you know got a yeast smell to it. I, I'm getting a little bit of spice smell. <sighs> Dry finish. Yeah, typical yeast flavor in the beer because it's a Belgian. I'm getting some kind of banana forward spicy i'm sure there's some coriander in this overall it's a good beer the thing is is it's extremely complex i think most brewers really enjoy beers like this because it, it kind of showcases the the craft it's not easy to brew these things it's not easy well actually it's pretty easy to brew them there's a lot of steps in it been there done that it's a lot harder to cultivate and and, and take care of this during the during the fermentation process. And this thing reminds me of my boy, Chris Green. Shout out, Greenbow. Miss you, brother. Love you, brother. And uh, your favorite kind of beer. And I suggest you go out and get it. Cheers, Raider Nation. Cheers, Murph. Salud, Mojo. Bink.
That was pretty cool, man. Force cheer. Force cheers. I dig it. We do force cheers around this camp. <laughs> 44 from Black Abbey. The triple from New Belgium. Not bad. And I do want to give a shout out to my boy Josh from Keg and Bottle who texted me on Friday night and told me to get my fat ass over to Keg and Bottle and pick up this triple. He's always giving me the insight and the uh, the good info. And my man, I appreciate you. And I can't wait to have you on the show. So, hey, Murph, so Josh, my beer guy. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, I live down here in Sand Dog, right? Yeah. Josh, my beer guy, is uh, – He's a Dischargers fan, dude. He's stuck with them through, oh. through thick and thin. He watches the show every week because he's a beer connoisseur, right? But he wants to come on the show. I invited him, but he wants to wear his uh, he wants to wear his Chargers beanie. Oof. Thoughts? Well, you know, like we've we've said uh, on on Raiders Fan Radio, you know, we have a really cool chat room and a lo- and a lot of a lot of folks that join us live on our on our show every week. And we, we, we've had some competitive teams, fans in there. And we, we tell them, man, we'll take all comers. Just, just keep it respectful. Just keep it nice. And as long as you're willing to play nice, we'll, we'll, you know, we're, we're, we welcome all around here. So I would say if your guy wants to come on and, uh, and, and represent his team, that's fine. But as soon as he starts, you know, if he's going to talk so a little bit of smack is fine. Just keep it nice. Don't start taking runs at, you know, some of our favorites or anything like that. Cause then, you know, then, then you cross the line, but if he's a good guy and and like, all right, you know, Hey, Swaggo, uh, Swag Jeff, one of my co-hosts on Raiders fan radio started off as a Titans fan. You convert you know, him. Cause we're, we, we convert him. We let him into the family, brought him around, talked to him about the Raiders. He was around all this Raider stuff all the time and, and, uh, and, and eventually found his way to the light. So maybe you could uh, provide the same platform for your beer guy. I'm sure I'll be able to sneak in some uh, some snide comments about how they left him high and dry, <laughs> and they turned their back on San Diego. You know the real shitty thing about the the Chargers going up north. And this is not a Chargers podcast. You can tell by looking at our hats and all the shit behind us. But I will say, uh, living here in SoCal, man, it sucked to see it happen because I like going to the Raiders game once a year over in uh, Qualcomm. Now it's SDCCU Stadium, but you know what? Man, they it was a dirty deal. So they put it up for a vote, this hotelier tax. They were going to tax the hoteliers in order to fund the new stadium for the Chargers, which would have been off the chain if you think about it. If they would have put it down uh, on the Coronado Bay down there, you would have oh seen, bro, it, it would have been like Monday, Sunday night games in the dark, and you would see people coming from like, you know, Catalina and, and, and all the ritzy rich places in their yachts and parking them right next, like, like it is in uh, Jacksonville. When you see those good scenes and stuff like that, man, it would have been incredible. Bottom line is the the current administration here just did not want it to happen. So they put it up to a vote and they only let people that lived in San Diego city limits vote on this. Now, I live in San Diego County. I'm a proud member of East County Raider Nation. San Diego County's a a huge swath of land, dude. Like San Diego County's got to be one of the biggest counties in America, man. And I know fans that live, you know, 45 minutes away from the stadium that are that are Charger fans. 
and die hard and, and are totally butthurt about them leaving and would do anything in the world to have them back. And if they had an opportunity to vote on that, if they would have let everybody in the county vote on that, the Chargers would still be here. So there's that. Wow. wow. You know, and, and it's funny, too, that in, in the – Piggyback on that, the fact that the Chargers went to L.A., I think it's one of the biggest missteps that the that the NFL has taken in a long, long time because anybody that's a, a, a Raider fan certainly knows that, you know, L.A.'s a Raider town. I mean, Raider town. they moved the wrong team to Los Angeles. I mean, it's absolutely, I, I think, a, a travesty that not only the – look, I don't, I don't like – San Diego Chargers, but or the Chargers still anymore. But I think it's a shame that the, that the fans got burned. All those fans that you just mentioned, just like I feel bad for the Oakland fans that are getting burned, or, and any team's fan that that you know what I mean that, that they get burned like that. But then the idea that the that the the NFL felt that they were just completely Im- impervious and that they could just survive anything, like it would not surprise me, dude, if the, if the, if the freaking Chargers move on at again at some point because. They're just not going to have a home. They're, 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 there's no fan base to support them. I mean, how many fans? Okay, let me ask you. Since you're there, and it's not a Chargers podcast, so we'll move on after this. But I'm, no, no, I'm I curious. like it, man. You know what? But you know, here, here's the thing. It's a, it, it's a mojo podcast, right? So we, we can talk about anything we want. Everybody knows how true I am to the Raiders. So let, let we can. Okay. Don't worry about that. Continue. All right. so yeah. Let me. Let, let me ask you, okay, so our again, I mentioned Swag earlier. So Swag Jeff, he's from San Diego, right? His dad was born and raised in San Diego. Yep. Dad born and raised San Diego Chargers fan. Yep. Chargers moved. Of course, he's on the number one morning show in Nashville, so of course he supports the Titans. But when the Chargers left San Diego, he was like, that's it, I'm done. They, they're going to L.A. That was like, you know, there's such a rivalry there, right? Like a like, you know, you're a big Padres fan. Like there ain't no love between Padres and Dodgers fans. Like, like there's a natural rivalry there. So the idea that, that the team, that the fans were going to follow the team to LA was a goofy notion by the NFL. And so again, people like, like, like swags dad, like they, he's washed his hands of the team. So you have this like lame duck franchise now in Los Angeles and, it's crazy, man. And in the meantime, the Raiders are going to pull all of us because we're all big Raider fans. And, and everybody in what, L.A. Everybody in L.A. is going to Vegas. Yeah, because no one ever goes on an L.A. to Vegas flight on the weekends anyways, right? Like, for, 90 come on, bucks, man. Like, for $90. Insane. So, I mean, the NFL, I think they did. I think they had a misstep on this one. I'll be curious to what it looks like for the Chargers. Like five. Again, not that I care. I'm a Raider fan, but and I hope it's dysfunctional as all hell for them. But it's just curious to me, like what is gonna, how this is gonna uh, eventually end up? Because man, it's it's that's pretty wild. It's been probably the biggest misstep of any move the NFL has made yet, right? Like out of all of them. Oh yeah, unprecedented. Like, I think it's the biggest mistake hard. they've ever made. Yeah, like especially team lo- relocation, like absolutely that one. But then the rest of it, in terms of like the financial impact of it, I, I don't know, but it's gonna be big. I mean, you can't sell out a thirty thousand seat freaking what soccer stadium yeah so so i am gonna give i I am gonna give a little bit all right so the soccer stadium and we're gonna move on man (laughs) but we gotta make this right so we gotta finish this conversation so the soccer stadium was too expensive man so here's here's the thing it was so small that it cost a, a fan like i wanted to go watch raider games over there like i used to go to freaking qualcomm right and watch a raider Raider game. It's two hours away instead of driving all the way to Oakland that I did for the last three years with my family to go watch a game once a year, right? Um, 
I could have just went up there for two two hours up the road and came home that night and not had to worry about lodging and all the other things that go along with going to another big city, you know, far away. But the ticket prices were absolutely outrageous, man. Like, you know, I will tell you that nosebleeds were close to 200 bucks. And uh, th- just to be able to tailgate, which, you know, a Raiders tailgate in San Diego, I don't know, Murph, if you've ever been able to uh, to come to one of those. It was I'm not. I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to a couple away Raiders games. Uh, not enough, you know, uh, not enough to really make this a, a overarching statement. But I will tell you this. The closest tailgate that I've been to an Oakland tailgate was in San Diego because every single time – we take it over, we black it out, and we run this city for 24 hours. Even that's when we cool. suck. Even when we suck. And which that's been the last 17 years or, or so. <laughs> yeah. Except for 2016. Shout out to Michael Crabtree. He gave my old lady a high five. We were in. Uh, we were sitting right behind Gorilla Rilla for that game, man. First time we got to the oh. playoffs in 13 years. That was amazing. It was amazing. What a What a great that- day. And I will tell you that I'm six for six. I'm six for six. Raiders win every time on Mojo's in the building. So you're no kidding. W- you're welcome that I'm a season ticket holder. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you go uh, add add another eight on top of that. Then man, hopefully you go fourteen and zero by the end of next year. Yeah, I want to do some dolphin shit, man. I want to do some 1972 dolphins. I want. We're gonna just validate everybody that's getting talked about on 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 Twitter. I love my Twitter, Ooh. man. I don't. I don't even know why anybody has a Facebook or an Instagram anymore because Twitter is off the chain, dude. I have not been a Twitter guy my whole life, but it is crazy. Twitter will infuriate you and put you in tears, laughing in the same scroll <laughs> in thirty like, seconds. Yes. Yes. What's good, Rear Nation? It's your boy, Justin Johnny from One Nation Fanware, and you're watching. The Mojo Pod Show, boom, 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 boom. It's the Mojo Pod Show, boom, boom, boom. Go Raiders! Raider Nation, thanks for putting up with me and Murph talking about Chargers football here on the uh, Mojo's Pod Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, get- we love us some bolts or dolts. Man, have you ever seen that video, dude? Have you ever seen the video of the guy? Anytime my Charger friends talk to me, man, the first thing I do is send them the video. So there was this guy that made this video called uh, Save Our Boats on the Reel. Have you seen this? No. Brother. (laughs) Sounds terrible. Do yourself a favor. (laughs) Do yourself a favor and check it out on YouTube. There's this dude who is all chargered out right before they were leaving. And he's on like uh, the pier in Coronado by the bay and stuff. And he has this fake rap that he does. And it is sad and ridiculous. And I love every <laughs> second of it. And, hey, I know, okay. he's a, I know he's a Padres fan because I've seen him at the stadium before. No disrespect, my man. I love your passion because anybody who's passionate about their football team is – a kindred spirit, obviously. I got a freaking pod show about it. So I don't hate you for it, man. But, dude, it, f- my advice to you is figure out a different outlet, okay? Like, let's figure something different out. Number 12 in 2020. Do you know who's going to be wearing number 12 in 2020, Murph? For the Raiders. I hope it's uh, the guy that wears number 13 in Alabama or used to. That guy. Pow. Pow.
my boy. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say his last name correctly because I, I, I studied okay. it. I studied it for hours last night. Are you ready? Yes. Bring it. Tua Tango Valoa. Tua Tango Valoa. He is a junior quarterback out of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He is six foot one. He is 218 pounds. He's thrown 87 touchdowns and 11 interceptions in his three-year career. And he is called he has been called college football's version of LeBron. Can't stress that enough. College football's version of LeBron. We'll hope it's not because of his hairline. LeBron James. <laughs> 30 wins. Two losses, college career. Murph, what say you about Mr. Tua Tango Valoa? Well, you taught me something there on the pronunciation of it. Because, you know, I live down here in the south and outside of Nashville, and there's a bunch of Alabama fans running around here, and they all call him Tua Tango Valoa. Well, you know, so you, guys, you, 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 you guys, everybody that sees me and doesn't live here at the house, and you, you guys think I'm just some kind of, you know, idiot redneck, but I, I do, I do my due diligence when I'm putting my show together. I'm going to listen right here. Here, here we go. I'm going to play this for you right now. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sure there's a way for me to give credit to whoever a hey, uh, youtube.com slash the lady that says this. Tango Vailoa. Tango Vailoa. Tango Vailoa. Tango Vailoa. You thought I was kidding. You thought I was clowning you. That's legit, dude. I like it. Did my work, bro. I learned from the Tua. best. I got a good mentor, bro. Tango Vailoa. Tango Vailoa. All right. Tango Vailoa. All right, so uh, thoughts on Tua. We'll just go with Tua. Because <laughs> I yeah, know I get that right. It's just Tua, dude. This is Tua. All right, so first off about Tua. So, he wears number 13. Hopefully, he wears number 12 when he when he uh, gets drafted by the Raiders at 12. Wouldn't that be something? That was um, his high school you know, number. I'm a, I'm a sucker for uh, – oh, that's right, yes. Uh, I'm a sucker for Alabama quarterbacks that throw left-handed that win national championships and are, are ballers. You know what I mean? My all-time favorite quarterback is Kenny Stabler and uh, that, uh, you know – ball thrown so much, you know what I mean? I'd like to see another one come up from Alabama and do the same thing for the Raiders. So I'm all in on Tua in terms of the fan service portion of, of what he may be and what he represents um, just because it was, you know, so successful for us uh, and really mythical for us, frankly, at this point of what Stabler did uh, coming out of Alabama. So I'm rooting for that portion of it. Now, in terms of his on the field and his ability, there's a few different things that he does that's I mean, that really sets him apart as a rare talent and and quickness is one of them. So his two kinds of quickness really, it's his quickness and his ability to read the field. Um he has a really uh, you know, uncanny ability to make up his mind fast, which is really what you really what you need in the NFL. There are plenty of talented athletes that come into the NFL, but the ability to process what the defense has given you pre-snap and post-snap, that's one of the big things that differentiates a college or, or a new, uh, a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback. Um, and, and, and guys that have long-term success is that ability to do that. He has that ability. The other form of quickness that he has is that speaking of number 13s, like Dan Marino, quick release, the guy can snap the ball off fast. So when you have this 
quick uh, ability to read the field and then deliver the football quickly. Those two things combined, like it sets you aside in terms of, of natural ability. So I think that he's got a lot of things going for him in, in that aspect. Plus he's, he's mobile. He's got some, uh, you know, some lateral movement to him. He's got good feet. He's accurate as all get out. I mean, when you watch this guy, especially in the national championship game uh, that they won, his accuracy is just, it's insane, especially down the field even too. Right. So there's a lot of things about Tua that as a fan, we can get really excited about, about the prospect. So um, all those things equate to him being a higher round draft pick. So that said, now let's look at some of the things that might be detractors. All right. First, uh, John Gruden drafting a quarterback to plug and play year one probably isn't as realistic as, as it would be for other teams and other systems. I have a feeling like if the Raiders do make a move at quarterback, it's going to be somebody that's going to sit behind Derek Carr and develop for a year or two. Now, nothing wrong with that, but are you willing to spend a number 12 draft pick on someone that you're going to put on the bench? Now, there's a lot of value in a first-round quarterback. Qu- quarterbacks that you hit on early are the best value in football because you know you're, you're basically you're paying a guy uh, 500 grand, which you would normally be paying him 22 million dollars, uh, right? Because of uh, of the way that the w- rookie contract scale works. So, I think that if the Raiders do it, it will be later more so than it would be earlier. So now, can he fall that far? I don't know, but uh, there's a chance, and the chance is because he's had this injury history. Now, the big injury that everyone points to is, is the hip, okay? So couple things there. The hip, as devastating as it was and took him out and, and, and ended his season, it's not the Bo Jackson hip injury that we are accustomed to as Raider fans. Oh, no. The fracture was oh, no. The fracture was on the back side of the hip, like on your wallet, like if you're carrying your wallet in your back pocket, like back there. It was back there. And it didn't separate from the joint the way Bo's did. So he didn't have the loss of blood flow to where Bo had like dead tissue essentially because blood stopped flowing to it. Right. Tua didn't have that. Plus, it's we are so much more advanced technologically and in medical that they were able to get him into surgery, get him recovered, or get him, you know, in a position to heal at least, and then and then on the road to recovery. So a little bit different of the injury, but there is something else that a lot of Raider fans, at least, aren't talking about. And this is the last thing I'll say about it. He's had a lot of history with high ankle sprains. So two had three years in college and three years of injury. So durability could be a question. Now he's had. Uh, a surgery on both ankles called tightrope surgery. And I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but what tightrope surgery is, is that basically it binds the, the, your two bones above your ankle together because of what happens is that your, your bones, there's a wideness to them. And when they're, they're further apart, they have a tendency to get injured more frequently. So they put, basically they drill through both bones, run, uh, you know, a fiber through there and then tighten them up and tighten them together. Well, and that's why it's called tightrope. Well, Tua's had this surgery on both of his ankles. So, he, and those were injuries that he sustained both years in college or, or two of the three years in college before then the hip. So we'll see what all this injury history then translates to in the NFL. When you talk to Alabama fan, you talk to, they, that's basically their thing around him is that they love the kid, but they don't know how durable he's going to be at the next level. Well, with these surgeries, is that enough preventative maintenance to where he can have a prolific career? Can he move through these injuries? I think he can. I mean, 
you know, these weren't, you know, major knee injuries or anything. These were, you know, yeah, they're, they're kind of big deals, but I think it might be just enough. And here's what I'll say. And then I'm going to turn it over to you and I'll shut up. Here's what I think. It might be just enough. That's might be perfect storm for us. It might be just enough injury to have him fall. Might be just enough talent to justify taking him late in the first round, or maybe package something and move down. If you want to move down a spot and still grab him late, whatever the case may be, it might be enough to make sense on the economic side, on the draft value side, on the talent side to then take that guy, let him sit behind Derek Carr for a year in Vegas. And then he's our starting quarterback in like a 2021 type situation. So there you go. Great take because I was uh, I was actually unaware. I, I was over here the whole time thinking that this was a Bo Jackson like uh, injury, man. So you just gave me some knowledge for sure, Murph. Um, here, here, here's my take on Tua, man. So <clears throat> first and foremost, he has the intangibles. So I don't even want to talk about the stats. I don't want to talk about the the wins, the losses, the anything like that. If you watch enough film on this kid, and trust me, I watched three and a half to four hours worth of film on this kid last night, I must have saw every touchdown that he scored in college about three times. Not only the, the touchdowns, I've all, also watched, you know, just his mundane day-to-day, you know, little you know, less impactful type plays and, and whatnot. This kid's a leader, man. He, he, he has the intangibles. He's got the, uh, he's got the, the, the mental capacity for it. He's got the, uh, heart for it and he's got the unteachables for it. Right. Um, not that it really matters or that it counts, but dude, I, I played around with one of these websites, you know, these little, uh, mock draft websites or whatever you know and i and i i I took over as the you know the oakland i I was mike i was mike mayock a couple times right so i i did it about (laughs) uh i I did it about eight times right and 50 percent of the time and it's because of the injury detractor he fell to number 12 now in in all four of those times in the 50 50 split there henry ruggs the third his uh his go-to, you know, him and Jerry Judy are his uh, safety nets. Henry Ruggs III was available at number 19. Um, I feel like, and I agree with you that that maybe he wouldn't start year one, and that's good. That's a luxury, right? You give him some time to learn behind D.C. You know, I'm not a D.C. basher per se, but I'm not a, I'm not a D.C. apologist anymore. Proofs in the pudding. If he was one of my sailors, you know what would happen to DC? I'd have him working in the freaking tool room. That's what would be happening with DC. I wouldn't let him turn wrenches on my helicopters anymore. I'll tell you that right now because he's he's proven that he can't handle it in the big spot. Right now, here's the deal with here. here here's what I will say about Tua: fifty fifty, fifty fifty. You know, round one, early pick number. Five, I think, is the earliest that somebody would take this kid, right? That's the Dolphins or the Dolphins at four? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. I thought he was even no, no, six, no, no. but it's right. Yeah, so it goes, it goes, uh, it goes, uh, obviously, one, two is Chase and, and Burrow. And then number three is the Lions, right? They they don't need a QB. Weirder things have happened, but they, they don't need him. Number four is the Giants, 
And then I want to say number five is Miami, which is probably the first team that has a legitimate. It's, you're right. It's, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you're right. It was five at Miami because the chargers are six. And that was another one that popped up that would take him. That's right. So it's the, it's the, it's the, uh, dolphins chargers are, are there. And then there's one team before us. I can't place it right now. Cause we've been drinking beers for half an hour uh but there's another t- <laughs> there's another team there that that need a, is in dire need of a quarterback so here's what i saw you ever are, are you familiar with that uh draft value chart yes absolutely that was developed by i think it was jimmy johnson right it, it was the, abs- yes uh, it was developed by jimmy johnson and they updated every year based on uh salaries and 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 who's in the draft and what the needs are to top 10 and this and that and all that good stuff right so here's the deal at 12 and 19 in order for mayock to move up to spot three, four, or five, or wherever it might be, make no bones about it. It's going to take both first-round draft picks. Now, whether that be both first-round draft picks this year or maybe the one that we have next year or a shit ton of lower-round picks in the next couple years, this is going to be an extremely high price to pay to move up to draft Somebody in the top four or five is two of the guy. Here's what I'll tell you. I've done my research. I've watched him play. Uh, I'm not convinced that he is that that once-in-a-lifetime can't-miss guy. I'm not going to sit here and say that. If he's there at 12, we'd be retired to draft him. That's what I'll say. That's Mojo's take. Trading. Two first-round picks after what Mike Mayock could do with freaking fourth, fifth, and sixth-round picks? Nah, man. Because, you know, when you look at that draft value scale and you put it against all the other GMs in the league and then you lay it next to Mike Mayock, he every one of those picks that Mike Mayock is associated with is worth more than everybody else. So I'll tell you right now that a third round pick for Mike Mayock, in my opinion, my humble opinion, Raider Homer opinion, is that Mike Mayock's third round pick is as good as any NFL team's first round pick. At me. I would love <laughs> I would only love to see Tua come to us if he's gonna sit behind car for a year. And I would love to see Tua come to us if we get the fastest kid in the draft, the guy that Al Davis would would draft, the 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 guy that I guarantee you that Miss Amy Trask would agree with me. What's up, Amy? I know you be you, you be tweeting at me. <laughs> You've been trading paint with old Amy on Twitter, haven't you? I've been tweeting with Amy, man. Mad respect, Amy Trask. I'm honored that you even know who the hell Mojo is. But I will say uh, Henry Ruggs third, his go-to guy. I mentioned it before. You get both those kids in here from a winning program in the SEC, playing for a NFL-style coach, possibly the greatest uh, college coach of all time. You bring him in, and I'm going to tell you right now, you see that kid right there, right above me right there? Mr. Tua Tango-Vailoa. John Gruden would fall in love with that young man and that's all i gotta say about that sorry to break up your black panther party 
<laughs> well, hey, and what is what is uh, was is rugs right? Rugs, fastest kid in the draft. Ru- I was gonna say he does, and like he's got like goofy speed. Like we could see like four two something out of him, right at the combine. Like he's an so- Al Davis absolute best dream ever right yeah i said it on twitter earlier today and if you guys don't follow me on twitter man no you know no no hard feelings or anything like that but i do like to get engaged and talk to to everybody that uh i can see on there at mojo 6330 but what i did say a lot of people were talking about henry ruggs the third today for some reason and what i said was i guarantee you if al was sitting in the hotel over there in alameda right now eating a freaking hamburger i'm gonna tell you that on number one on his freaking big board would be henry ruggs the third and if he was sitting at number one if he if the raiders had the number one pick in the draft his ass would be calling and telling him to draft Henry Ruggs the third. So let everybody do all that other 31 NFL team franchise nonsense that they want to do. Speed kills. Al Davis is a freaking hero and a genius. And if we don't draft Henry Ruggs the third, we screwed up. He's 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 as fast and could possibly end up being better than Tyree Kill. And he's probably not going to beat kids. I was just going to say, and then no domestic issues. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's legit, man. It's a good call, Mojo. I, I'm curious to, to this is, you know, we kind of had a, well, of course, everybody thought we were going to draft Josh Allen last year, but at least we had a strong sense of where this was going. And, and really, I mean, we kind of saw the Josh Jacobs pick coming from a mile away. We all uh, did. Jonathan, Jonathan Abram wasn't a huge surprise. Like, you know, Farrell was a little bit, or was a little bit of a, of, of a surprise. Uh, to some, to some uh, others, not so much. Monster Mash Ken called it. Uh, to us at the draft, it was a little more surprising. But, uh, but that said, you could still. It was the same position. It was still the same necessity that we drafted for this year. I don't know, man. Like I feel like this one's a lot more up in the air, and I feel that like where we're drafting, you know, twelve versus a four, that the draft order will dictate who we take much more so than it did last year. What do you think? I agree. And, you know, I think if we want to get stupid with it, right, I I would love to be a fly in the wall, right, with the scouts and Mayock and Gruden together in there talking about the big board the day of the draft and fighting over who they want to bring in and who's better and this and that. Because, you know, last year – uh, they had to just trust that Mayock hadn't, you know, wasn't just an analyst, right? This year, make no bones about, make no mistake, man. Mike Mayock is walking into that draft room with the biggest dick in the room. <laughs> yes, and, and that is courtesy of Max Crosby and Hunter frickin' Renfro. He's coming in there to run that. Dick. And if anybody has any, if anybody thinks differently, you're just flat out wrong. This is not John Gruden's draft. It's not going to be. And, and so this guy, whatever he says goes this year. Until he proves otherwise, that's what's going to happen in that freaking draft room. So, yeah, I would like. I did last year. When you hear him talk about, look, he's like, I made a cut up for John on Josh Jacobs. I showed him in run protection, I, or excuse me, in pass protection. I showed him in, in his pass catching ability. And then I showed him. Uh, his ability to run the football. And he said, and his ability to run the football was the third thing. 
that I showed him. First and foremost, it was it was pass protection and then an ability to catch the ball. And he's like, and basically that that three play cut up from the national championship game is what sold John Gruden to support Mike Mayock for that draft pick. So, like you said, he hit it out of the park. Now we have only got a one game reference point for Jonathan Abram, but he hit that one out of the park. Clee Furl, while you know the stats don't reflect it, when you look at him and what he did in the run game to help create third and longs to then you know, generate pass rush opportunities for guys like Max Crosby. Like Furl is a hit too. Like we didn't have a miss other than, and I'm not even going to call it a miss, but like Mullen was slower to come along. Isaiah Johnson slower to come along because of injury. But like when you look at the, and, and you don't expect a guy like Quentin Bell, sixth round pick, like you don't expect those ones to pan out anyways. When you look at the, at the, at the positions or the, the draft positions of merit, like he freaking hit home run after home run. Nailed it. Like how would God just turn it over to him? I'm with you, Mojo. Yeah, good points, man. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, let's close it out on tour real quick. Here's what we're gonna All say. Right. All I want to know is if you're Mike Mayock and John Gruden, you're sitting in the in the freaking draft room. I don't know if they're gonna be in Vegas or if they're gonna go old school and be sitting in Alameda in the hotel room like like Al. And you're sitting at 12 and nobody took to a, what, what are you doing? GM Murph. I'm taking number 13. I'm changing them to 12 and I'm taking 12 and 12, man. Amen. Do it. I, I, you gotta do it. I think, I think you gotta do it. The, the Raiders have to have a vision and, and they know this. I'm, I'm preaching the choir, but there's a long-term vision that has to be in play. And, and so, you know, you're going to take, if the draft order then dictates that, that now that becomes the best player available at that position. And you have the luxury of another first round pick to address the, to, uh, the, your need for a, a wide receiver. Number one, then yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, I, I, I definitely, I think, it, I think it's awesome. And again, it is a fan and I'll end it with this going full circle back to my fandom, you know, look, man, this has got Kenny written all over it. It and does. Like, it does. Like, and like how, you know, to, to not draw those comparisons then you know, then you're not paying attention as a Raider fan. Like, I mean, just, so that does our heart good, man. Just like seeing, you know, Lando and Han Solo come back to star Wars, right? You want to see an Alabama lefty come back, man. Like, come on. I, I think it's great. And chewy, man. I'm glad he didn't die. You know, Oh, that would have been sad. Oh, well, I mean, I got really Lock, sad when I thought Lock, he was dead, LB. dude. Mosh is yelling at his, at his, at his, uh, you know, his, I would say his, his iPhone, but he's old school. So his iPod with the wheel on it and the whole nine yards, he's yelling at that right now. Cause we're talking about star Wars on your show. Uncle Mosh. I'm sorry that we're talking about star Wars on my show. I'm looking directly into the camera to talk to you. Star Wars is awesome. Stuff with Mar would Murph about freaking star Wars. Yes. Come on, Mojo. What's up, y'all? This is the Condor, Max Crosby. You're listening to Mojo's Pod Show. Just win, baby. Shout out to you, man. Here's what we're talking about because Twitter's on fire about it. I don't have any stats, and I don't think we need them. Okay. I don't have any history. I don't have any pictures. I don't have anything here. Tom Brady, Raider, 2020. What are your thoughts? Oh, Lord. Uh... You know, he's a Bay Area guy. You know, people forget that. Uh, so there's a little bit of connectivity there in that. 
you know, it's it's not even poetic. It's poetic, but it's not good poetry. No, it's not for him to to come to the Raiders. Uh, you know, you're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time. It's hard to like scoff at that and and to say no. And despite the potential there, maybe for something like that, like on the field, like I just don't as a fan, I just don't know how you can feel good about it, no matter what. I just don't know. Like I'm, like I like you know, I would try to rack my brain for a way to like feel good about it. And I just don't know of one. I mean, and I said he was a Bay area guy, but I'm pretty sure he was a Niner fan growing up just like Aaron Rodgers was. So it's not even like they were Raider fans or he was a Raider fan growing up. So, you know, man, even like really, I think of it, here we go. Here's all, I'll say it like this. It was like when Kevin Durant came to the Warriors. Okay. So I'm, I'm a warrior fan. All right. Uh, grew up a warrior fan my, the entirety of my life. And for the majority of my life, the Warriors were terrible. And at one point, they were literally the laughing stock of all of sports. Far yeah. from the laughing stock of basketball, they were laughing stock of all of sports. Like, Charles Sprewell tried to kill our head coach. Like, it was laughable. That was, cool. that was actually cool. I remember that. <laughs> right? Like, we were as, as dysfunctional, and 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 it reflected of their uh, their on-court performance. Like, it was awful. All right. Then we had the the the, the uh, uh the we believe years early on uh, in the 2000s and Byron Davis and the eight seed beating the Mavericks and a little blip of success. And then that kind of fell off. And then here we come back and we have, you know, the splash brothers and all this amazing homegrown talent, homegrown being through the draft and, 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 and whatnot. Right, right, right. And then, all right. So we have the success. All right. Then here comes Kevin Durant. And it's like, dang it. Like, ah, uh, you know, okay. I know that's going to make us a lot better, but, I don't feel great about that. Like, this is the guy we were competing against. Like as a fan, I was glad we were going to be a better team, but I didn't feel great about the way that we went about it. That's how I would equate this with if Tom Brady, like, I'm not going to stop being a Raider fan. I'm going to be forced by nature, by blood, by birth to root for the guy. If he was wearing silver and black, but I don't think I would feel great about it. And if it got to a point where, say, we did win a championship, the number one thing people are going to say is, well, you had to go get Tom Brady to do it. Ah, I just, Mojo, I, I don't know, man. I mean, of course I'd be happy. I'd be over the moon if the Raiders had found success bringing him in and, 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 and did well. But ah, it just, there would just, it would be tainted. My fandom would have an asterisk on it for that. How about you? So I feel you on that point. I didn't think about that, man, about how everybody but would say, oh, you had to bring in Tom Brady to win and this and that. And all that stuff. Yeah, that's a solid point, man. Um, I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm not telling you that I want Tom Brady wearing silver and black. I'm not going to come out here and say that because I don't. Uh, the tuck rule is excruciating. And when I see Tom Brady lose, it's it's one of the happier moments of my week every time he you know lays an L um because of the tuck <laughs> honestly and because he beat my hometown team in the Super Bowl too you know he beat the, he beat the uh he beat the Panthers in the Super Bowl oh, yeah? in 2003 you know a lot of a lot of happy people in Charlotte North Carolina if the if he wouldn't have done that man him and Adam Vinatieri both can kiss my ass um but what I will say is, and this helps me, this always helps me, 
because whenever I start straying from anything or I wonder how I'm going to react to something that happens in Raider Nation, I can always hearken back to our godfather, Al Davis. And you know what he said? What, what his, his most famous, his most famous quote, it goes like this, just win baby. And if freaking Captain Kangaroo, Tom Brady, or freaking El Chapo is going to make us win a Super Bowl, that's who I want on the freaking team. That's where I'm at with the Brady thing. It's a great point, man. And you're right. That's the way I would look at it. You know, it's all about the results. It's not about any 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 fandom. And, you know, look at look at the players he brought in. Jerry Rice. Bill Romanowski was a Niner and a Bronco. Like, you know, you look at Ronnie Lott and you look at, you know, I mean, the, the list is, is, is endless. Um, you know, Harvey Williams for crying out loud. I mean, they're like, I mean, we can get real deep on the amount of, of com- not only just competitive, but rivals that the Raiders brought in over the years, Tom Rathman. Like, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we could do this all night. You ever heard um, of a guy, so you, I- you ever heard of a guy named Lyle Alzado? There you go. Was a was a freaking Bronco, right? So I mean, I, I Willie Brown was a was a Bronco. Like Willie Brown. I, I get that notion. I definitely get that notion. But I I think that the difference is is that those you know Rod Woodson was a Steeler. I think that those players don't carry the gravitas of the Tuck rule along with them. And I and I'm not going to use this as a as a total opportunity to shamelessly plug, but I just want to bring it up because it's relevant. I'm wearing my tails from the Nation shirt, Mojo. Uh, tonight because tomorrow swag Jeff and I are going to do a live tales from the nation on the Murph fan cave uh, YouTube channel. And we're going to do the tuck rule because the tuck rule, and, and this is why it's relevant to our conversation here. The tuck rule. We didn't want to just do a regular pre-recorded version of tales from the nation. We want, we knew it was going to be long. And then we thought, you know what, not only are we going to do a long one, but we're going to do it live because we want to hear from the fans because it's such a deep seated a moment in us that still just like the immaculate deception is still relevant to this day. And I just don't know if, if even something is strong and is absolutely dead on and perfectly put by you is just when baby is, I don't know if I can, I mean, it still mm. would have something on it. I, I just don't think I could fully get, get all the way by and look at, and I'm a Brady apologist. I'm the guy that goes on my freaking show and goes, Hey, don't hate on him. Cause he's the greatest of all time. Let's go out and beat his ass. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not the guy that's like, y- you know, in the super bowl, if they're playing the Niners, I would be like, Oh, I hope he loses. No, I hope he freaking wins. Like, I hope he beats the chiefs. I hope he beats our rivals. Like I want him to beat the Broncos. I want him to, I don't, you know what I mean? Like there's been plenty of times where I've been like, look, if the chiefs are playing the, the Patriots in the AFC championship game and you're rooting for the chiefs, you're doing it wrong. Like, so I've apologized numerous times <laughs> yes. for Brady, but that said, I don't know if I want to see him in F and silver and black, man. I don't think I could go through with that, man. I, Oh, I don't know. That's a, that not, that might be the ultimate like test of one's resolve as a, you know, as a, as a fan that, cause, cause again, every point you made about it, extremely valid, like absolutely dead on. So it could be just one of those things where you're just going to get, well, I don't know, another division in fandom, go figure. Right. Like we hadn't seen those. Oh man. Yeah. I was talking about how much I love Twitter, man. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Talk about division and, and fandoms, man. We got the Kardashians and the Car. Uh, what, what was the other ones? Kardashians and the and Carbashians. I heard. I heard the uh, the. I heard uh, Kardashians and uh, man, what there was one that really got me. Oh, and the carburetors, like berate. Uh, nice. That's pretty good, right? The carburetors. The carburetors. I like yeah, it. The berators, right? All right. So, <laughs> hey, man, I, I love throwing curveballs at you like that. And I think it was relevant because Raider Nation uh, has been sending me tweets and Facebook messages and text messages and talking about Tom Brady uh, ever since his press conference on, was it Saturday or on Sunday when they play? Whenever they uh, lost. Saturday, Titans beat him. Yeah, Titans, Titans knocked beat him, off him man. Mike Vrabel, you know. Um, that was yeah. too much. And I think game. this is the content that they want to see. So, you know, I was reaching for Jameis Winston. What I wanted to do uh, initially was Sam Ellinger and Jameis Winston. Uh, we did our research on it. The reason I switched it up was because of recent events and uh, basically social media. So you guys get involved, man. Text me, call me, leave a voicemail, send a message, tweet at me, tweet it. Raiders underscore Raider underscore beer. Tweet it at Mojo six three three zero. Twit at Twit at RFR. You know, whatever, man. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see it, man. You want to talk about it? Then talk about it. Because let me tell you something real quick, man. Murph show and my show it has little to do with us. It has little to do with the Raiders. It has everything to do about Raider Nation fandom and giving you an outlet to come on here and say whatever the hell you want to say because we Amen. we appreciate everybody's opinion and 9 times out of 10 your angle is going to sway mine i want to hear from you make sure you guys call 619-736-5813 every week or whenever you get the inkling leave me a message and let's let's talk about all things raiders let's talk about all things beer let's talk about all things, you know, possums and raccoons for all I give a shit about. Just call me. Possums and raccoons, Murph. This is <laughs> this is this is riveting. This is riveting. You went content. you went all East Tennessee and West Carolina on me right there, man. <laughs> riveting content. So you know what time it is, Murph? Is it time for some voicemails? It's time for some voicemails. And Come on with it. You know, while we were recording, I got a 17-second voicemail from the Kappa. Oh, nice. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to hear it. Here it go. There in the queue, I'm ready to call the Mojo Pod Show. Wishing the best for tonight's broadcast to you and your Hollywood guest host this evening, Murph of Raiders Fan Radio. And all I got to ask is, we're we'll gonna get the malt liquor reviews. Bro. Bro. Oh, I can't hear it. You have to tell me what he said. So he he actually gave us a lot of props and he wanted to know okay. he wanted to know when I was gonna give some malt liquor. Malt liquor reviews. You know what, dude? Hey, so maybe I'll buy a bottle of King Cobra next week or some St. Ides. And I'll give you, I, I might, I might give you a little bit of, uh, 
Mount Lecha review there. In the, in the spirit of Lando Calrissian and uh, Billy D. Williams, if you decide to do that, let me know, and I'll go half a 90 and do Colt 45. Colt works every 45 time. Colt 45 works every time. <laughs> All right, we go. We go. Uh, thanks, thanks, Q. I'll see you in a minute, man. So, just so you know, I'm shooting a uh, another segment uh, after me and Murph are done with Q and Trucker for next week's episode. Yeah, it's really hard for me to uh, get Trucker scheduled, man, because uh, man, old Trucker, man, he, he's working nights, man. He's always hustling. We're gonna spend a lot of time in Vegas together, man. And uh, you know, Trucker's my brother. So, uh, it's all about when I can get him on here and when I can, I take full advantage of it. And after this episode just happens to be that time, let's hit up, uh, our first ever number one, triple O G Mr. D G triple O D triple O G D G. What you got to say, big dog. Hey, what up, Mojo? Hey, it's DG, the original triple O G. I just wanted to uh, to hit up on a free agent that's out there. You want to talk about a number one receiver? How about AJ Green? I'm pretty sure he wants nothing to do with the Bengals, especially after this last season. Obviously, there was very minimal playing time in 20, 2019, so he'll be ready to roll in twenty twenty. Uh, with Miles still left left in the tank there, so. A.J. Green, I think he's one that someone should probably target. And with the Antonio Brown thing that went down, A.J. Green's a guy that doesn't need to be on the front page of the papers. So put some thought into him, spend a little money, get that number one receiver. Thanks. Love the show. Okay, Murph, so what D.G. was talking about was bringing A.J. in for free agency. Um I'm going to go ahead and get my thoughts on it real quick, man, and I'm going to turn it over to you. So, uh, you know, A.J. Green's uh, 32 years old right now. He might be 31, but he's really close to being 32. Um, Not saying that he's lost a step or anything like that, but he did spend the entire season of 2019 sitting on the bench for whatever reason. Maybe it was a uh, uh, legitimate injury, or maybe they realized uh, as a Bengals organization that the last thing they needed to do was get their most valuable player uh, caught up and hurt. Um, they've seen it happen, uh, especially when they employed the services of Mr. Vontez Perfect, one of my favorite Raiders right now, because uh, the quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard, and he must go down early, Al Davis. Um, okay, so A.J. Green. Here, here's what I want to put into perspective. Um Julio Jones is same draft class. He is making like 20 to 21 million next year. I think his contract's worth about a hundred million dollars. Uh, and he's proven he's done it for years. Another thing that I would like to bring up before I give my final take is the fact that he didn't play a single game this year. However, uh, he stayed on staff for the Bengals through the trade deadline, right? So best time to, to offload this guy to get the most bang for your buck before he became a free agent where you're going to have to 
restructure and, and give him a brand new contract was uh, before free agency in 2019. So I don't think it's realistic. I think they're going to pay A.J. Green whatever the hell he wants to get paid, and he's going to be a Bengal for life. Uh, if we had the opportunity to bring him in for less than $20 million a year, I think he would be a game changer, and I think that his skill set is unmatched, and he's one of the best in the game, but he is not the guy that I want to see us make long-term financial sacrifices for. Does that make sense, Murph? Absolutely. Those are, those are great points. And, and, you know, if we look at what, okay. If we look at what we were willing to do with, uh, what, okay. We look at what we were willing to do with, uh, with Antonio Brown and bringing him in at the age that he was, it's not dissimilar to what AJ green is. When we look at AJ green, the guy had 6,000 yard seasons out of seven years. And the only year that he missed uh, in 2016, he only missed it by 36 yards. So he's a pretty prolific receiver. And the guy had Andy Dalton as a quarterback for the majority of that time. So I think when you pair him uh, with somebody as, as, as amazing as, as not even amazing, I shouldn't use that word. Somebody is as productive or potentially as Derek Carr. Uh, then I think that we could uh, we could see a lot of amazing numbers then uh, out of out of AJ Green and and I think he still fits the mold he still fits the uh, the number one wide receiver mold now will he command those kind of dollars that you're talking about I don't know because when you look at the injury history of him recently uh, yeah he only played nine games in 2018 and then set out the uh, the entirety of the 2019 season so that injury history might lead to at least a little bit of a um, uh, of a lapse in what he would normally command on the open market. So trusting that might be the case. Is it worth it to give him, you know, uh, some, uh, you're not going to give him what you gave Antonio Brown, but would they at least consider paying high value for somebody at that spot? Yeah, maybe, maybe considering his age and someone that can come in and, and again, be the number one whiteout for the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders for, for two or three years. Yeah. I think the, I think the Antonio Brown thing, you know, we learn from mistakes, right? Like when, when, when you're a little kid and you touch the flame on the candle, man, you don't ever do it again, you know? So I'm not saying that they're characters or anything close to one another or anything like that. I don't think that uh, A.J. Green has proved that he's, uh, you know, a, let's call it what it is, man, a complete insane maniac like uh, Antonio Brown. But I think that it does make – a, a, you know, a multi-million dollar business, which the Raiders are, it makes them a little bit concerned and, and a little bit sheepish about making a decision to bring in a free agent, you know, especially if we're going to pay him a lot of money, you know, thank God we, we, we ducked that man. <laughs> we didn't take, we didn't take the yeah. hell there and had to pay this guy all this money, man. But, um, Fool me once kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where I'm hoping that like, you know, he, he's a good character guy. So I think we're good on the, on that front. At least he hasn't shown any, any signs of being crazy yet. And then you're right. Antonio Brown is like, is like next le- Like we thought he was nuts when he was with us. Now he's gone like three levels up kind of crazy. Like, like you see his video man. yet? Did you see his whole lot of money video yet, bro? Oh, I haven't watched that. I saw he released it and I saw he promoted it, but I hadn't watched it yet. Do yourself a but favor. Do yourself a favor. Okay. Okay. And as soon as this pod show is over, 
and you got some free time on your hands, what I suggest you do is go make dinner, put on a good okay. show on television. Hell, maybe even what maybe even log into your Disney Plus account and watch a watch a freaking Star Wars episode and then go to sleep. And in between all that time, don't watch Antonio Brown's stupid ass freaking rap video where he sucks. It's the, please, Antonio Brown. I'm looking you in the eyes right now. Block me on Twitter at Mojo6330. Do me a favor. It's all I want, man. It's all I want for Christmas and New Year's and birthday combined. Okay? Like, take care of me, man. Like, just do that for me, for freaking God's sake. Onward. <laughs> we, got, we got a little bit off topic there. Hey, DG, thanks for calling the show, my dog. We're getting ready to listen to one. <laughs> We're getting ready to listen to what Hardcore's got to say. Oh, boy, my boy, Hardcore Raider, who uh, had um, actually had me and Murph on with Violator and Watts the other day. And it was, uh, oh, we were also on there with uh, your boy Q from uh, Locked On Raiders. Fun. Let's get into Hardcore. Onward. Yo, Mojo, this Hardcore Raider coming at you, man. Just, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on the Hardcore Raider Nation podcast on YouTube. It was uh a delight to have you on, dude. You know, we had you, uh, Murph, Q from Locked On, um, Violator, me, Watts. So, you know, that was just an awesome time. It'd be great to have you on down the road again. But, uh, you know, something I was thinking about, dude, uh, you said you had season tickets, you know, and I know you're going to be going. Uh, I'm curious if you're going to every game or if you know yet, if you're going to every game. And then, uh, you know, if you're going to consider selling any of your uh, seats uh, and whatnot. You know, and then, uh, you know, like, let us know where your seats are at, too, you know, because, like, even if, uh, you know, maybe we could figure out a way where some of us can get seats around where you're at and we can all, like, link up and, like, be close together. You know, I thought that'd be cool, even if it's, like, a couple rows over, man, give us some high fives to Mojo yeah. and, you know, to some of the, you know, hardcore Raider fans that, you know, we all stick together and all that. So, you know, uh, looking forward to uh, the off season and, you know, what what changes are going to happen, and, you know, it's an exciting time to be a Raiders fan, dude. So just want to say much love, much respect. Keep doing what you do, and, you know, teach you is bright. Love, love you, bro. Hardcore Raider out. Hardcore, man. Thanks for calling the show, brother, and, and, and thanks for the opportunity that you've given me. I'll tell you, man, I've done Hardcore show like three or four times on a Saturday, and I've gotten, you know, four – or five freaking followers, uh, subscribers to my YouTube channel. Every single, every single time I've done it. Thanks for giving me and Murph the opportunity and the platform form. Uh, we, we really enjoyed our time. I, I know I speak for Murph and I'll let him, uh, address that in a second. The only reason I'm talking over him right now is because he can't hear the audio of the voicemail because it's on my desktop. Right? So, to your question, man, I am in section 409. I'm a nosebleed guy, dude. Um, I couldn't afford anything better than that because I have three kids and I'm uh, on an active duty paycheck. Um, but I'm up in 409. Um, we actually started a Facebook page for uh, other people that are in section 409 that can link up and we're going to uh, plan on hanging out and doing some tailgates together and stuff like that. And uh, if you would like to uh, 
ever, you know, come and, and, and be a part of what we got going up at 409, let me know. You guys can shoot me an email or tw uh, tweet at me or or Facebook me or, or leave a voicemail here on the show or whatever you got to do to reach out to me. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to attend every single game. If anybody is interested in, you know, hitting me up for tickets, man, all you got to do is ask. Uh, chances are uh, I've probably already shifted them off to some uh, very close friends. Uh, that's the plan. Honestly, uh, me and uh, Raider Ramon are trying to work a deal out right now where we kind of split this thing up and uh, he, he provides some lodging or whatever. We got some stuff going on in the fire, man, because that's my brother. But there's always an opportunity that there's going to be a game open. And uh, if you're a Raiders fan and you listen to the show – and uh, especially your content creator, man, I'm more than happy to uh, face value any game that I'm not going to, man. I'm not trying to make any money off of this thing. I, I got my tickets so that I can choose whatever the hell game I want to go to for the first time in, in 40 years. I can do what I want to do when it comes to attending a, a, a football game. And, you know, it's only four and a half hours away from San Diego. So, you know, it could be, uh, it could be a quick drive or it could be a uh, weekend affair. So Murph, yeah, he gave you a big shout out, man. He asked me about my uh, season tickets and what we're planning on doing for tailgating and and all that. Uh, cool. What do you got for uh, what do you got for hardcore? Yeah, first and foremost, appreciate the platform that he gave to us and the, and the format of that show, man. We we both had, like you said, had a great time uh, over there. And the idea of assembling uh, content creators on a on a you know weekly basis or any or just semi regular basis uh, and have a panel. I think is a, is a great idea. And that was a lot of fun. And, and, uh, and, and, and I'm like you, you know, if, if those are the folks that are considered our peers, then, then I'm incredibly flattered. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm out kicking my coverage then if that's the case. So, um, so that, yeah, so that was great. So nothing but love to hardcore and, and, uh, and appreciate his fandom as always. And man, I can't wait to go to Vegas, man. I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm nostalgic for Oakland and it's my hometown, uh, you know, where San Jose is anyways, the Bay area is. And so, I'll always have that. And I'm speaking for anybody from the Bay, right? We'll always have that. Like we'll always have, uh, what the Raiders meant to us growing up. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm older, uh, than, than you are Mojo. I'm 40, almost 47 years old. And from when I was a, uh, a, a young kid back in the seventies, man, I started hearing tales from my uncles about, you know, Phil Villapiano and Otis is drunk and, uh, you know, snake and assassin and, you know, foo and Dr. Death and you, you name it, all of them. And, and so these guys literally manifested into like heroes for me, uh, superheroes even, uh, growing up. So I'll always have that connection back to that area. But all that said, I love Vegas. Vegas rocks, man. Vegas is a fun town. Like Vegas is so fun to go to and it's not even, uh, and it's so diverse and it's, things to do. Like you can literally bring your family and you could do, you can Vegas is one of those towns where you can make whatever you want of it to fit what your thing is. You know what I mean? Like whatever your thing is, you can find it in Las Vegas. And so that coupled with the Raiders, like, are you kidding me? Like, how could you not be excited? Like as a human, like take your, your, your fandom and your loyalty for that area aside like if you remove that from the equation, you just look at like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere and watch a football game and be somewhere for a weekend. Like, are you like Vegas might be the best place in the world. What's up, Ron? Mojo, what's up? It's Ron. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, the possibility of replacing car. Uh, for me, it's a resounding definitely maybe. Uh, it's 
you know, he's a solid quarterback, I think. Uh, and those are hard to find in the NFL. So, you know, you're tempted to build your roster around the guy and hopefully elevate him a little bit. But the big thing is I don't think he can elevate the talent around him. Uh, and if we're talking about becoming a uh, competitive team here, you had three games in a row with playoff potential that you come out like a wet fart and no enthusiasm and no fire. And that's kind of scary. Um, so if you're going to replace them, uh, I would. Hey, so I paused Ron Murph, uh, Okay. First thing I want to comment on is uh, in the <laughs> in the last like second and a half of audio I got from Ron's uh, voicemail was I heard a rooster crowing in the background. I just want to <laughs> I just want to throw that out. <laughs> Ron, where are you at, dog? I love it, man. Yeah. You, you you reminded me of growing up in rural uh, North Carolina, man. That that really uh, took me home. Uh, he's talking about how Carr is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, and he's not the guy that's going to take us to the promised land. Onward. Agree with that decision, and if you're going to keep him, I would understand that decision as well. I think it has to be through the draft. I think if you're going to get a free agent quarterback nowadays, it's almost cost prohibitive. Uh, to sign anybody that has talent. You're going to eat up so much of your cap space signing a guy that's somewhat talented nowadays. <clears throat> I stopped him again, Murph. Uh, I had to because this guy just came with some real shit right here, man. He says, hey, okay. he says, uh, hey, man, drafting a quarterback, replace, not saying he's trying to get rid of Carr because Carr is a decent quarterback. Uh, he says drafting a guy is the only way to go because it, it's financially responsible. And if you bring in a – uh, free agent, you got to pay that guy, and that's not the winning uh, recipe in the NFL in two, 2020. Totally agree. Onward. So it's got to come from the draft. So my only thing is if they're going to replace him, let's uh, swing for the fences. You know, we're going to Vegas, let's gamble, you know. Um, go big or go home. Don't draft a guy to develop a few years down the road. Uh, I would have no interest in car mentoring somebody for a year or two. Uh, you know, Hot take. Uh, replacement behind him, that, that doesn't appeal to me at all because you're a dead man walking at that point, and he's already uh, come out lackluster in a few games. So what's that going to do to your mentality? You know, like I said, either way, I think, you know, there's a lot of talent in this first round. You can try to bolster your roster enough to uh, succeed. It's a tough question at this point, but I, I have faith in Mayock, and I, I think that uh, he'll make the right decision. So have a good one, man. Bye. Ron, thanks for calling, man. I think you're one call away from being a triple OG, my brother, so uh, I'd like to hear from you next week. So, yeah, so what Ron says is if we're going to do this, man, he says do it, right? And he says go, go swing for the fences, Murph. He says uh, what we don't need to do is – fiddle fart around and get a kid in here that needs to sit behind a car. If we're going to do it, do it. Rip that Band-Aid off and bring the right guy in and, and give him the freaking keys to the kingdom. I don't completely agree with that. I think one year isn't going to hurt. I think that if we get that uh, prodigy out of the draft and we let him sit behind a car for a year, um, he, he could develop or even sit behind car for half a year or three games or the first time he throws a, a ball in the dirt on fourth down or fumbles a, a, a freaking ball in, uh, out the end zone, right? Then you put the kid in. Um, 
but good take, Ron. I, I, I do agree with you uh, on, on multiple levels there. Uh, and here, here's, here's what I will say. I've thought about this before. I actually thought about it when I was uh, show prepping today. Where's the draft, Murph? Vegas. Where are we playing next year? Vegas. What we have to do is establish ourselves as the hometown team in Las Vegas. Just because we got a stadium and we got this really cool uniform and we got a hell of a history, we need to be able to bring in guys that aren't Raider fans today, that weren't Raider fans before we announced that we were going to Las Vegas. We need to put them. We need to put their asses in seats at the Owl, aka the the Death Star, aka uh, Allegiant Stadium, right? Absolutely. I was thinking in terms of like salary cap health, but you're right. From organizational health, from a business perspective, yes, the team needs to generate revenue. Absolutely. So what would do that more so than being able to attend the draft that you get your franchise quarterback for the next 10 years and then you show up for this kid freaking winning football games for you uh, in the Owl, a.k.a. Death Star, for the next freaking decade? That'd be awesome, man. That's that's pretty meta there to think of it in, in in those terms. And you know, it would be again, use the term poetic, like that would be pretty sweet, man. That would that would, how how cool would that be to see your 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 franchise quarterback drafted? And I'm and I'm with you. I don't think there's any harm in having somebody sit. You know, in nowadays NFL, like the player that you draft in the first round, you want to make the immediate impact and start. But if you have somebody that's a unique talent, um, fall and and your system is not you know, prepared or not uh, ready for someone like that to take it on first year, then, you know, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't see John Gruden throwing the entirety of the offense to a rookie quarterback, regardless of where you grab, where you draft him. So I, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything uh, really out of line in, in expecting them to draft somebody to sit behind Derek Carr for a year. And Derek Carr is a good mentor. Like that, that's the thing about cars that, that we all love is that, he is a good man. He is a good leader. He is a good, you know what I mean? He, he could be a mentor to a younger player. Like he could be a good transference of knowledge. Like those are the things that Derek will do well. So if we are going to, you know, have somebody sit behind him, like that's a good guy. It's, he's not going to go all Brett Favre. I don't think where he's going to be like, it's not my job. I'm out of here. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think Derek would do that. I think that he would do what was best for the team. And that is to mentor the, uh, the guy that's coming in to replace him. All right, so last caller, we got Raider Rue, man. Hey, Murph, you know Raider Rue? I know Raider Rue in Utah. Rue. Mojo, Raider Rue. So my thoughts on drafting Tua. If he's there and they take him, I think it makes complete sense. And I don't blame them all. They would have a chance to let him sit and learn and completely heal up if need be. However, I don't think he gets past, um, who is it, the Chargers at six. Miami at five, Chargers at six, or one of somebody trading up to free to get him. So if he is there or I don't, cause I don't think they're trading up for him, but if he's there, yeah, that's absolutely. I'm fine with it. I just don't think he'll be there to be t- taken. Anyways, have a good one. Go Raiders. Go Raiders, Rue. And Hey man, uh, one more call. You're a triple OG Murph. What, what Rue's saying is, uh, if two is at 12 draft him, uh, he doesn't, think that he's going to be there because he thinks the Chargers or the Dolphins are going to pick him earlier than that. And he also thinks that there's a possibility that another team with a later round pick uh, in the a later pick in the first round will trade up with maybe the Giants or 
you know, who knows, even as high as the Lions uh, to take him. He also thinks that uh, we should not engage in that kind of draft day trade. What say you, Murph? Yeah, you know, I'm not a, based on what we've talked about Mike Mayock already and established what a great job he did in year one. I think we got to give him every opportunity to pull the same thing off in year two. So he's got, you know, two first round draft picks. We don't have a second, but we have three thirds. So if anything, do you package something with your thirds to move into the second round and see what he can do there? I mean, that's a thought, but really he, he did better in the third than he did the second. If you think of it in those terms or even the fourth, right? So, uh, I think we got to give him as many opportunities to draft, uh, and, and I'm less inclined to, uh, embrace the idea of packaging to move up. You know what I mean? Like let's give him more swings at it. I think is, is ultimately where I lay on this. I like that. And I'm 50, 50 on it, man. I see both sides of it. So, you know, we got to trust Mayock and we, we got to, uh, respect his body of work up to this point. And you're right. You know, he's made some freaking diamonds in the rough. We talked about it earlier in the later rounds. I think a second round pick, uh, I, be careful now because you said that he did better on his third round pick than his second round pick. I think Trayvon Mullen is going to be a premier premier quarter cornerback uh, in the league, and I think that at some point we're going to have to pay that young man a lot of money if we want to see him paint, wearing silver and black in a couple of years. Um, I think his uh, I think his ceiling is not even close to being reached at this point. Um, well, they definitely think of him. I mean, they, 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 you know, essentially thrust him into that starting role when, uh, when they traded Conley away. So, I mean, I, I'm with you and, and, and I hope that he, he pans out and, and, you know, I guess we'll, we'll find out. I mean, a second round talent, you don't expect him to be your, your number one corner in year one, but, uh, should he be, uh, be able to take that leap in year two? Like that would be cool. And you know, the other thing about Mullen, just to bring a personal, like I had my, both my boys, we went downtown, uh, to Nashville, uh, yeah. for the draft and saw Charles Woodson announce that pick. So nothing would like the, the connect, like I'm all about the stories, yeah. as you know, anybody yeah. listens to our show, we love, we love the symmetry of things and the story of things. And the idea that Charles Woodson was the one that announced that pick and the Raiders traded back, I think twice uh, before they got him. Like, I think that would be a really cool story. You're one call away from being a freaking triple OG. You want me to play the music? You want me, you, you want me to give you the triple OG props? Call again, man. I know you will. It's only a matter of time. So, Murph, tell everybody where they can find you on the socials. So you can hit me up on Twitter, at underscore Murph. You can find us. Uh, the show is at Raiders Fan Radio. Uh, there's an at Murph's Fan Cave, too, which is our podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Who's been drinking 44s? Podcast Network. Uh, you, can, you can find us there. Uh, all of our stuff is at RaidersFanRadio.com or MurphsFanCave.com. You can find us on, on Facebook, all over the place. But uh, really one of our big favorite things here lately is YouTube.com slash MurphsFanCave where you'll find our live show, which we do every typically every Wednesday where we do Raiders Fan Radio and then also hosts all the audio podcasts that we have uh, throughout the network, including this one, which is Mojo's Pod Show. And so, uh, man, just, uh, again, can't, can't be more uh, thankful to have you uh, on the network, Mojo, and representing uh, Murph's Fan Cave the way that you do, man. And it's uh, it's great what you got going on, and I'm glad to uh, to be a part of it tonight, man. I'm thankful to be here. This has been a lot of fun, man. A lot, a lot, a lot of fun. I do want to throw it out there, man. Six one nine seven three six five eight one three. Guys, call me before Tuesday evening every week. 
call me on Saturday or Sunday or whatever, man, and, and leave a message. Give me a hot take, man. Let me know what you're thinking for free agency. Let me know what you're thinking for the draft. There's nothing that's too crazy. This is Raider Nation, guys. <laughs> we talk crazy shit all day like it's our job, okay? So hit me up. What I would appreciate as much as that is feedback. Watch this video and comment on it. Share it. Do whatever you're going to do, but most importantly, tell me how I can make it better. I'd appreciate that because here's the deal. This video is for you. This video isn't for me. This video isn't for YouTube. It's not for clicks. It's not for selling anything. As you can see, it has nothing to do with any of that. This video and this content is for you, Raider Nation. This is for you, beer connoisseurs. This is for you, my family and friends who might not give a shit about beer or Raiders. This is for my audience, and I want to grow it because I want to bring everybody together. Tell me how to make it better. Follow me on Twitter at Mojo6330. Make sure that you tag all your beer posts, beer pics, beer videos in at Raider underscore beer on Twitter. Shout out to Merce Fan Cave. Giving me an opportunity to put this stuff in your ear holes on your way to work. Or when you're taking a when you're taking a big Lebowski style shot like bathtub dip. Maybe smoking one of them big old fat J's, you know, laying back there, man, and somebody comes in there and throws a marmot in the water. Just however you listen however you listen to your to your damn hey, podcast. There's a beverage here, man. Nice marmot. However you listening to your podcast, boys and girls, Murph provides me with the opportunity to give it to you. X gonna give it to you. He gonna give it to you. Uh, shout out to East County Raider Nation over at Main Tap Tavern. Go in there and make sure you guys see our picture on the wall. The season's over, but the playoffs aren't. Come over there and eat some food, man. It's got great food, and there's some great beer, and the bartenders are absolutely a cut above anybody else you're going to find in San Diego County. Shout out to Wayne, man. Shout out to the Violator. Brother, you motivated me on Hardcore Raiders show the other day. Shout out to Hardcore Raider for giving us the opportunity to come on that show, especially me. You know, I had no business being there, man. I was amongst some giants, and I appreciate the opportunity, brother. Shout out to Josh at Keg and Bottle. Shout out to Just One Johnny at OneNationFanware.com who hooks me up with all my graphics. Make sure you guys check him out and buy some of that nice-ass swag he's got. Look at that, what he made for Murph, man. Look at, look at, look at Murph's, look at Murph's freaking microphone thing right there and his shirt. That's all Just One Johnny right there behind him. With the logo, that's all Just Win Johnny. My logo is Just Win Johnny. Everything he does for us is pro bono, and this man is making money and doing his thing. And he's got probably the best website for gear in Raider Nation. Make sure you hook him up. Go on there and buy some shit. Hey, man, biggest shout-out goes to my callers, all my subscribers. I'm getting close to 200. Thank you for listening to the podcast on the Merce Fan Cave Network, where you can find uh, my podcast and others in his world there. Murph, what you got? What, what, what podcast you got now? 
Yeah, so uh, our flagship show is Raiders Fan Radio, as always. And then uh, your show, the audio version of Mojo's Pod Show, and Tales from the Nation. Uh, that is the one where we're going to go over uh, the history of the Raiders and significant moments within Raiders history and, and talk about those. And we're going to kick that up uh, big time uh, now that we're into the Raiders offseason. And I just now got a text from uh, Chuck Splatterhead McCann and the guys at the Fan Club Blitz, and we've got the uh, the last episode that we're going to host of the Fan Club Blitz probably on the Mercy Fan Cave Network, and those guys have been great to us and provided a lot of fantastic material and shows uh, over the past year or so, and so I'm going to have that fresh to upload uh, tonight as well. So uh, good stuff, man. As always, Raider Nation, just win, baby. Murph, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you again, Mojo, for having me, man. Good stuff. Mojo out. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's Mojo, and I'm here to tell you about my contest. So bottom line, I need some help. I'm looking to get 1,000 subscribers because that's my goal. Everybody's got goals, and I need you to help me achieve that goal. Before I tell you how, I'm going to tell you what's in it for you. This Derek Carr autograph helmet or this Jonathan Abram autograph jersey. Both of these things come with a certificate of authenticity. They were both signed at training camp in 2019, and one of them could be yours. Uh, I'll ship it to you as soon as you win it. You get to choose. Once I reach 1,000 subscribers, you get to choose which one of these you want if you're the winner, and I send it to you. It's that simple. Now, that's what's in it for you, but here's what I need. I need, if you don't subscribe to my channel, I need you to go ahead and do so. I need you to hit that little icon right there, okay, and become a subscriber. That's how easy it is. That's all you got to do. You just click that thing. If you're already a subscriber, do me a solid, share this video. Get it out there on them socials, man, Twitter, Facebook, Insta, wherever you can put it, man. I appreciate it. The quicker we get to 1,000, the quicker I'm going to send the winner one of these badass items. Hey, until next time, Raider Nation, man, I appreciate y'all. Mojo out. Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating vehicles to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. This year celebrates eight years and more than 750 vehicles donated. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at keystoprogress.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy... Our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. 
Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.